Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair and beauty source and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Welcome back to the iHealth channel, the Fit and Fab channel, iHealth Radio, new day, new show, and probably the last show for the year. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to uh, close the year with a bang and, you know, I have a super guest and a super story and a lot of motivation and inspiration today. So pay attention to this show. It's going to be really loaded with good stuff. Uh, so so um, many people uh, know people that might have... Uh, suffered or or just somehow experienced the uh, concerning issue of cancer and cancer is a, a disease that has been around and it's still around uh, there's a lot of research there's a lot of work but it's nowhere to be eradica eradicated yet and it's still here and we sometimes may think it's not our thing it's the other guy's thing but uh, we have to be careful and think twice about that because it's very close to everyone. And this is not to scare people, you know, on the outside of the on the outside of the show here. But but really, our guest here is going to share with us a story, her story, and 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 she is a uh, just a superstar in my book. <laughs> a lot of things that she's been doing, and uh, she's a fitness person, and uh, you know, she is uh, an innovator. She actually does. Uh, race uh, announcing and that's an interesting piece and we're going to talk about that she does different shows she's an author and she has an awesome book you know for really really that would motivate a lot of folks out there and so we're going to talk all about that today so i'd have with me today fids kohler and she is straight from florida and she's going to share with us a lot of good insights today so first things first fids welcome to the show welcome and thank you for being with us thank you so much for having me i'm always excited to talk to another fitness professional Thank you. Thank you. Well, listen, I'm not going to be as, as professional as you. You you are the innovator. <laughs> so, 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 so I, I will take thank you for that. And, uh, you know, you have I love that fit fitness. And that's, that's like, right. You know, we talked about that. She's, that's so sweet and so funny and and great and catchy. I like the catchy part about it. Thank and you. so so let's talk about this. Your story before the cancer, your journey. You've been very successful in a lot of things. I mean, I've watched some of the stuff and seen a lot of stuff. So tell us about your journey. And then let's talk about your abrupt, uh, I guess, challenge in life. Sure, answer, sure. Months, treatment, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have spent several decades uh, helping folks live better and longer by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. Started teaching fitness at 14, fell in love with it, and I really just love helping people. It's, it's all I've ever done and it's all I've ever wanted to do. And uh, I took it very seriously. So when I got my master's degree in exercise and sports sciences, because 
you know, some people think fitness is not such a big deal, but to me, you know, when I'm giving out advice, I'm managing people's spinal columns and their joints and their hearts and their lungs. And those things are very important to me and they're yours are very important to you. And so I thought, you know, if I'm going to be an authority on this, I better be a real authority on this. And, uh, yeah, so I I've been teaching fitness around the world for a very long time. I started off like many fitness professionals in a gym and doing personal training. And then, uh, I, I started working in television when I was in college and speaking around the country. And then really what I, what I, ascertained was that my passion was for mass impact. And while I love helping 50 people in a gym, what I really, really adore doing is helping 8 million people on national morning news or 20,000 people at a large clinic for Disney. So I, that's what I do. I teach fitness on a mass scale, usually via mass media, TV, radio, books, magazines. I do corporate keynote speaking and uh, I do race announcing, which is great. I love sports. I'm a sport performance expert too. So I help athletes prepare their body for their game. Uh, but yeah, race announcing has been something I've been doing for almost 10 years. And I host some of the largest, most iconic running events in the United States. So Los Angeles Marathon, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Big Sur Marathon, the Wonder Woman and Justice League Run Series, Gasparilla, you name it. Most weekends of the year, I'm on the standing on a stage, a start and finish line uh, with between two and 30,000 people per race. And, you know, I make racing even more fun than it already is by getting folks engaged, informed and entertained. And we have a damn good time. I love sports. I love fitness. And I, I adore people who care about their health and I would do anything to support them. Wow, Fitz, thank you. That, that's impressive. And I mean, I, I, I don't think I did, you know, good justice to, to you when I, when you know what, I do a good justice to me, right? <laughs> that's right. No one could do it better, right? That's right. But, but, but definitely, it's so impressive. And, and folks, I mean, you know, we have somebody that that's out there that's doing a lot of good work. And uh, thank you. Uh, too much. I mean, just everything you're doing, it's, it's, it's exactly uh, in, in line with, first of all, what I love personally, and what our mission here in, in, in this particular channel is to really bring that inspiration to right. the people and, and really share with them. And of course, you'll, ha you'll they'll have access to you after this show, to the description of the show and all the stuff through your website. Sure. And they can pretty much reach out to you for anything, whether it's corporate, personal, all the good stuff. That's right. So first of all, the, the, the announcement part, that's awesome. I mean, I just can't imagine you on that it's mic. A blast. And I mean, you're going crazy. It's all fun. And it's just, yeah, I mean, that's got to be some fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what situation do you, does any other speaker or person on a stage get such a mass amount of high energy, enthusiastic go-getters? You know, I get sometimes 27, 30,000 people and to be the ringleader of that type of fun is just blows my mind. And, you know, some people have a fear of public speaking and they think, oh no, I would never want to be on a stage in front of that many people. And I have a fear of not public speaking. I, I just, I, I love being with them. It makes me so happy. And then when they come through the finish line, it's my, I, I get the privilege of being the first one to congratulate them on their accomplishment, whether they're the first finisher or the last finisher. My job is to make sure every last one of them feels like a champion. And I have so much fun doing it. And, and they are, they're all winners. Uh, whether the first Down one on the ground. Last... And 
I get lots of hugs and I make sure everybody feels adored. It's just, it's just so wonderful. It's, it's absurd that I, that I do this for a living and people actually pay me uh, well <laughs> because it's so much fun. It's really a lot of fun. Well, it is. And I, and listen, I've watched, you know, some of these things and, you know, now, I, now I'm going to like, I, I know her. But, you know, it, it's it's amazing. You said something about, you know, um, I, there was something I think we, I cut you off because you you stopped on your side. It's but okay. but but um, you mentioned something that is very uh, powerful. Doesn't matter if they are the first or the last on their That's race. Right. They're all champions. And, and that is actually the, the true, you know, bottom line of that race. It's really not so much about who's first. I mean, yeah, it's ideal to be that first, you know, person on, on the line. But you made it. I mean, marathons, for example. I mean, that's if you go through it and you make it, that's the bottom line. That's that's really good achievements, good lessons for people, too. Yeah, there's a few things there. I mean, A, the running industry is the largest spec the largest participant in sport in the world. And so we we go to a football stadium and there's 40,000, 60,000 fans. And we think, wow, this is a lot of fans. In my sport, sometimes we get that many participants. Some of our races have 60,000 people. And so the spectacle is incredible. But you know what I care most about is everyone who shows up at the start line cares about their health or their community, or they're working hard for great causes, all three noble efforts. And then, you know, we use the word running very loosely. Some of our athletes run exclusively and good for them, but many of our athletes do a combination of running and walking. And then many of our athletes do absolutely no running at all. They are just going to walk the whole way. And our world-class runners will tell you it is so much more difficult to be a seven-hour marathoner than it is a two-hour and 15 minute marathoner, those speedsters, those, those champions up front, they are good at this skill of running 26.2 miles or 5k or whatever it is, but they make it look easy when they win. That's because they've had a great day. You know, they cross the finish line, they've worked hard, but they're feeling good when you do, when it takes you seven hours, eight hours or more, you know, that takes so much mental fortitude. So I respect the speedsters up in front. I adore the back of the pack. And, and, and quite frankly, those people are usually far more fun and interesting than the fast people. The fast people come up to the start line and no matter how crazy everybody else is being, they kind of have this intense look on their face and they're thinking, shut up, blonde lady. <laughs> shut up, I'm focusing. But the further we go back into the slower people, the more elation, they're just jubilant and thrilled to be there and not be on the couch. And they're so proud of themselves. And, and, and so I feel that and on a rare occasion, not a rare occasion on some occasions, race organizations will just hire some local radio DJ or a, or a TV news anchor, and maybe they're fine on the microphone, but unless they're one of us, unless they're a runner who's hit the wall, chafed, had blisters, uh, you know, cried at mile 18, they don't get us and they don't have the intense respect for not only the, the speedsters, but the back of the fact, the back of the pack. So, you know, these runners, these are my people. I am one of these people. And uh, it's just a, a true luxury to associate with hundreds of thousands of, I don't know, special, special humans every year because of this race announcing thing. I mean, it just, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I love it. Well, listen, thank you for doing that. I mean, and, and, and I, I just, your, your passion and your just energy right now, it's, it's just like oozing out of the screen in front of me. Here. But, 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 but I have to say, I mean, 
lessons learned from races, you know, are lessons for life. I mean, that that's the thing. Life is a race, and as it as it is, as you, yeah. you start sometime and you're gonna end one day, and yeah. how you go through it, it makes a big difference. Races can give us those lessons, and you're right. Those people that take the time, seven hours is no picnic. I mean. And but they're determined. That's so. That's lesson yeah. for determination. They're motivated. They 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 have a goal. They want to achieve it regardless of whatever. They have right. hurdles. They're tired. They still make it. And those are the things that we will face in life. So really, yeah. I mean, some people obviously will do it in two hours in life too. There were people that will just somehow their things in their way that make it faster for them to get to whatever right. the goals they have. But not everybody has that. And and so from this platform, I mean, it's just a message to everybody. You know what? Just be in the marathon. Just be in the race. Or do, one uh, mile or a 5K. Yes. Yeah, there's much shorter distances for sure, for sure. Any race. And, and, and in life, just get in and just That's try it. to do it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, just, and yeah, for those who've never done a race, what I say is show up, like come to a finish line and just watch. You will see someone that looks like you and then you'll see someone that looks far less capable than you. For I'll use the marathon distance because I, I host a lot of those and they're, you know, impressive. I've had these type of people do 26.2 miles for me on very hot days, 400 pounders, 90 something year olds, many, many men in their nineties doing full marathons. I've had men with zero legs run marathons, you know, war veterans that have been, um, that had their legs blown off and they show up with prosthetics and they crush it. They go the distance. And so if we can get the morbidly obese and the insanely elderly centurions and people with no legs out to do these distances, well, certainly you can show up and do one mile. You can go for a walk one mile. And we, you know, it's not always about the finish time. It's about the finish line. You go from point A to point B. And if you have to stop in the middle, okay, who cares? What's a worst that can happen? Nobody else cares what you do or don't do with your athletics, but just give it a try. Give it a try. We want to have you. And I want to be able to give you a finish line hug. Everyone out there, that's my goal is to hug you all at your finish line. Received, received. And you know what? Respect. First of all, you mentioned something about, you know, someone with no legs because of war and everything, but still determined to be there. That's it. I mean, that's that that's really powerful. When you, I love when I see, you know, folks that nothing stops them, even something that that extreme. And some people complain with everything. They have every right. single limb. And they complain about everything. And some people lose things of value, and there's nothing more valuable than your body's parts, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and and you do make it. That's that's powerful. That's that's yeah. great. Yeah. And it, and and some of us will find a way. You know, I'm a find a way type person. No matter what's going on, I figure it out. I find a way. And then some people are can't people. Some people make every excuses not to do the most simple tasks just because they're fearful or lazy or unmotivated, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, you only get one life and being one of those can't people isn't a lot of fun. Isn't well, a lot listen, of fun. Guess what, Fitz? This is why we're doing this. We want to motivate those folks to change yeah. and be better at what they do. And you know what? Anyone that may today feel that they're on the can't side, guess what? You can and That's you will. Right. As long as you make the changes, necessary changes, there are no excuses. Be stronger than those excuses and you will be there. That's right. One one day you will make what seemed like the extraordinary ordinary for you. And, and that's really the ambition there is, is go do the things you think that are extraordinary practice, stay committed. And eventually they will seem like ordinary tasks. And, you know, where do you go from there? It's up. You just keep going. And, and everybody, you have to start somewhere. And the key here is to be in the start line. You have that's to be right. in the start. You know, that's it. If you have to start and you just leave the start point, 
Take as much. I mean, it doesn't have to be. You can go. I mean, listen, if you're able to go light speed, you know, go for it. I mean, you yeah. can reach the, the, the sun in eight minutes. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> but right. but it's okay if you can. That's all right. Just take it one step at a time. But you, as long as you're in the race, as they say, right? Uh, you for know, sure. Uh, we have in, in the sales world, we we call it being the train on the bus or just hop on the train and be in the train. As long as you're yeah. in the train, you're going to the destination. Yeah. And, and so there's so many analogies and so many, you know, I guess, proverbs and sayings we can have here. Right. But the bottom line is really we want you to be inspired. We want you to be motivated. We want you to change your mindset. It's all in the mind. You can do this. I mean, I, I, I don't know, but it's funny because about uh Two weeks ago, I did a, a hypnosis session on live, and okay. it was about motivation and, and building positivity. Let me tell you something. Since I mean, I've always been positive, but since that day, I'm like crazy positive. It's not even oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm still under the spell here. So, <laughs> bear with me a minute. But folks, listen. The idea is energy can be literally transmitted. You know, so we want this frequency to come to you and just like really get you excited. And again, we have one of the best motivators with us today. So listen, Fitz, you do this. You've, by the way, you are the motivation. You are someone that besides the work you've done, and, and this is going to lead us right into the, the topic of the hour, which is your journey and sure. how it all uh, changed all of a sudden. And you had to deal yep. with all the stuff yet, yet you, it didn't stop you. And we're going to talk about that. So, so Fitz, let's, let's, let's just cross that bridge now and talk about the cancer. Right, right. So in uh, 2018, I went in for my annual mammogram, December of 2018. And I've always gone for all the annual exams, the eyes and the uh, pap smear and the mammogram and skin checks. And just my attitude was if I ever had one cancer cell on me, just one, I would want to know about it and crush it right away because who wants cancer? And so I went in for the annual mammogram, December of 2018, and I walked out with a clean bill of health, which was great. And then about six weeks later, I was in a hotel bathroom at a race weekend. I got out of the shower and I rubbed my under boob. I just put my hand under to scratch and I went, oh no, uh, there it is. It was a lump and it was very obviously something that shouldn't have been there. I felt like a bean and everyone has their own different situations, but uh, I felt a bean. So game uh, point for me is I didn't call my mom and cry. I didn't Google it or whine to my friends. What I did is I picked my cell phone up immediately and I called the doctor and I said, hey, I found a lump. And they said, can you come in tomorrow? And I said, no, I'm at a race weekend, but I can come in Monday. And so they, I took it seriously. So did they. On Monday, I went into a, a, just a, a chat with the doctor. She felt it too, ordered scans. Thursday, I had a mammogram, an ultrasound. Not only was there the um, tumor, but there was at least three hard swollen lymph nodes. So within six weeks, I had a sizey tumor um, grow. And then my lymph nodes were already infected. Next day I had the biopsy and, or biopsies. And then a few days later I was told Fitz, you have cancer. And, um, you know, my life just went on spin cycle and, you know, I am the exhibit a of, if it can happen to me, the, the, the beacon of health and happiness, the girl who actually walks the walk, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. And I don't say that to scare everybody, but we have to be diligent. You have to a put in the work. Your health matters today. You, you know, once you're diagnosed with something horrible or you get hit by a bus, whatever it is, all you want is health, right? You're not thinking about this cool Fendi purse anymore. All you just think is all, all I all I want is my health. If I can be healthy, I'll never ask for anything again. You know, if you're paralyzed, all you want to do is walk. So your health matters. So you got to start putting in the time because 
you know, one day, if you do get hit by a bus, you do get diagnosed. Um, you need to prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when those incidents are going to happen. So fortunately for me, I was very, very healthy going into this chaos and it was chaos. Uh, I ended up with 15 months of chemotherapy, which for me was not nightmarish. Not everybody has such a hard time. I had a very, very hard time. I was a very sick person, deathly ill. Um, I had surgery. I had 33 rounds of radiation. Uh, but here's the thing. <sighs> you know, I, I was originally thought, oh, I'm definitely going to die. And not because I had any data. I just thought, oh no, I have, I'm the perfect example of health and I have this perfect family and perfect career. I'm definitely gonna be the perfect tragic tale. I just knew I was gonna be some sort of lifetime special or Hallmark movie about the poor fitness girl who you know, ate it because of cancer. But once my doctor you know, notified me, he said, listen, 94% uh, of all breast cancer cases are curable. Yours is specifically curable. Um, you just have to endure the cure. And uh, this is where the, the fitness part of me kicked in. I decided uh, I had a few major commitments I made right then and there that really changed the way things progressed. Number one, I decided to use perspective. Um, I kept in mind that I wasn't a kid with cancer and it wasn't my kid with cancer. And those would be way worse than being a grown woman with breast cancer. And because of that, I decided that um, I wasn't going to have a pity party. I wasn't going to play the victim. You know, we see all these people on social media and uh, all, every, day, every day they're posting, pray for me, I sprained my ankle. And all I think is for the love of God, really? You're eating up all the prayers on your sprained ankle or your headache? Just why do you want people to look at you as weak? Why are you reaching out for pity? And so I um, not only decided I did not want to have pity parties myself. Now, mind you, I cried. I just never got pathetic. I never became cancer's victim. And I got on um, a broadcast and just told everybody, this is what I'm dealing with. And I had to because of the impending baldness. But I said, I do not want your pity. I'm going to be fine. You can root for me, but um, I'm going to show up at my events and I'm going to do the things expected of me and we're going to have a great time. And so um, perspective, number one, and then number two, I decided to continue my passions, which were my kids time with my my beautiful children, Ginger and Parker, I figured if they had a, a game, a, a play, a graduation, whatever it was, special events, I wasn't going to miss. And I never did. And then number three, I decided that um, I would be positive when I could. And so you get no extra points for being the saddest girl in the room. And uh, so when someone laughed, someone said something funny, I took the opportunity to laugh. And so I made those decisions and they were very important for me because I did go through nightmarish treatment and I was very, very sick, but through it all, I never missed one of my events. I boarded a plane, I think about 25 different times within my cancer treatment. And uh, I was sick as a dog and gray and bald, but I was not missing out on my incredible career and all those people that I love so much. And so I figured it out. I'd fly to an event and um, my race directors had arranged for IV fluids wherever I was. And, uh, you know, no matter how bad things were, you know, if I were sleeping on the bathroom floor in a hotel because my stomach was a mess, my alarm would go off at 4 a.m. and I'd get up and get dressed. And the second I stood on my stages, uh, all the bad stuff kind of disappeared. I got to be full force Fitz Kohler again because I was focused on those tens of thousands of people that I was there to serve, that I love, that excited to me. And the last thing I could think about 
was myself. And so um, that was one of the most uh, incredible decisions I had ever made is just continue on instead of stay home, hide out, rest. That's what a lot of people would have expected. And I don't blame them, but it's just not who I am. And it all worked out really well for me. I have to pause a minute here. First of all, I mean, <laughs> wow, it, it's it's just an incredible story. And, and you know, I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, I had different guests with various stories and they're all incredible in their own way. And, sure. and when we talk about cancer, I mean, it's, it's almost a devastating, you know, uh, news and no one yeah. wants to hear it. No one is, no. we all try to live our life and hopefully that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, but you said it very wisely that, you know, it's just not it, as much as you think it might not be coming to you or around you. It can. And a lot of people around us, you know, friends, yep. family, parents sometimes you know like you said what we wish that it's never going to be our children and, and stuff like that but at the end of the day it is real it it is happening it's around us and and there's not much that we can do but you did something that is important you were detecting you were looking you yeah. were always on top of your things and making sure that you check in and that's that's early as they say early detection early you know prevention yeah. all that stuff is key. And I know we were supposed to have this, this particular, you know, a uh, show in October, which was, you know, Oh, it's fine. Cancer's year round. I know, I know, but, <laughs> but it's really awareness to, to your point. Yeah. It's not so, it doesn't have to be one month where we all are aware and then we forget. No, that's let's right. be, let's be aware all the time because it's it. Listen, I have lost people around me with cancer. I've had people to struggle with it. They still are. So I yeah. can tell you, I have good friends that have actually suffered for years and they still at, at a point have not recuperated, you know, sure. to the level. So I can tell you folks, it is um, devastating. It is, uh, it could be tragic, uh, but, but you did not succumb to it. You did not give in. You stood, you know, fast as they, they, they would say. And, and not only that, you took the necessary steps immediately. You, didn't, right. you know, you could have, you know, delayed things and things could have gone worse, but you did. Right. But remember you are, a fitness person, you are a race person, you are a determined person, and you never just give up. I mean, that's the thing, right? You did so, it. So you don't need to be some sort of sports superstar to get your annual exams. And beyond the annual exams, remember, if I would have stopped at the, that mammogram, I'd probably be dead, right? So I mm. happen to find it lucky, lucky me. But the reality is folks should squeeze themselves all the time. This is your body, you're responsible for it. It's not like your doctor's responsible for it. Your doctor's not going to creep in your house at night and get into your bed, creep, peek under the covers with a flashlight and look around. That is your responsibility. You, it's your hands, it's your stuff. Ladies, put your hands in your shirts, have a squeeze. Guys, put your hands in your pants, have a squeeze, have your partner look at the skin on your back and your hairstylist should look at the skin under your hair to see if there's moles. If you have any sort of weird rashes or stabbing pains, you have to report that those are red flags that you show up to the doctor and say, Hey, something's gone weird with me. And so, um, I am someone who's diligent about those things, but we have to be even more diligent because it's not just, you know, we do the things we can to prevent the cancer, which is, or any sort of ailment, right? We exercise, we watch what we put in our mouth. We get the quality sleep. We avoid stress. We don't smoke. We don't, we avoid sunburns. Those are things, those are preventative. And then there's detection and that can be consistent. You can constantly be looking, not neurotic, 
but it's your body. Have a look-see as often as possible. And if you're fortunate enough to have a romantic partner, play the game. I'm going to squeeze your stuff. You squeeze mine. I'm going to look at your bod. <laughs> you look at mine. It's not so complicated. And, um, and then of course you rely on your physicians when, when they need to have a look-see too, but, um, but yeah, cancer and MS and ALS, all those things can hit anybody. We just, we have to, um, we have to be aggressive about preserving our own health. It's, uh, it, it was tough. And here's the thing. I, I talk about not having pity parties and not being a victim. And I stand by that. I also cried every day. You know, the side effects were devastating. My fingernails ripped off my, I wasn't just bald but I had parted my hair in the middle, my waist length, long hair. I parted it in the middle of my whole life. So when it all came off, I had a skunk stripe of a tan line going from the top of my forehead down to the back. I had this big tan line and then I'd have rashes on that bald head. And I had to stand on stages or on camera where people were looking at me and my bald skunk head. And, um, it just, it, it was tricky, right? It was tricky. Things hurt. My eyes changed colors. There was all of these crazy things that happened to me. And one of the reasons I wrote the book. So the book is called my noisy cancer comeback. And I wrote it for a few, few reasons. Number one, because nobody talks about the real stuff that happens with cancer. They say, Hey, you might be sick and bald and tired. Okay. Well, yeah, a lot of us are those things, but Nobody's talking about the fingernails ripping off. That's insanity. Nobody talked about eyes changing colors or your vision going blurry or, or the skunk stripe. And so there's so many weird things happen and it eventually became kind of comical. I thought, oh, this can't get any crazier. And then it would get crazier. And then I was laughing. I was laughing. My husband was laughing. We were all kind of laughing at the ridiculous, horrible, weird things that were happening. And so the book is filled with all sorts of weird things, weird things other humans said to me, weird things friends said and did because of the cancer. And those are real eye openers. And then the other reason I wrote the book is because, you know, sometimes people need a kick in the can to do better for themselves. And we talk a lot about passion, perspective, positivity, and then you know, the other thing, which I know you can identify with hurricane is that, you know, cancer's hard. And, uh, there was a lot of things that were difficult slash scary for me. I'm a bit of a medical wimp. And so almost every time they came at me with a needle, I cried. Um, I I'm claustrophobic. So the MRIs were tough, but what I found is that every day I had to do this scary thing. And, um, I knew that if I wanted to survive, I was going to have to keep doing really hard things. And so I started talking to myself in my head. I got in there and I would kind of coach myself up and I'm not one of those self-talk people, but there I was thinking, you know, reminding myself, Hey, you used to be a competitive kickboxer. Hey, you've raised two great kids. Hey, you own an, a worldwide business. Those are big deal things. You can do hard things. And so I would get into that MRI machine while hyperventilating, reminding myself, I can do hard things. I can do hard things. I'd get sit down for round 12 of chemo thinking I can do hard things. And so that became a bit of a mantra. And, uh, you know, for 15 months I endured treatment, but I continued to tell myself I can do hard things. And eventually I had said it enough that I was done. And so that's, that's really one of the other strong messages in the book is that, you know, we're all very capable of doing hard things. Not everybody, uh, not everybody thinks the same things are hard, 
but quite often they're worth it. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta coach yourself up. You gotta remind yourself when you're scared that there's a rainbow at the end or a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow and to just keep moving forward. Well, listen, Fids, we are resilient as, as yeah. humans and, and, but, and, and you're right. I mean, we might not be the self-talk person all the time, but there are times where that's important yeah. because that's the only, no one, no one is going to feel your pain. I mean, even no. your immediate family, they can see you, they suffer with you, but they're not feeling the pain. They, they just, you know, feeling the, the, the outcome that you actually projected to them. Yeah. But really that, you know, like when someone is sick in front of you, you can only have empathy, right? You know, and even sympathy, but that's about it. You can't, you can't, yeah. then you're not feeling when you get hurt, you know what that feels like. But when someone is hurt, you might, you have an idea what it is, but it's yeah. never, and especially if you haven't experienced it. So I, 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 it's powerful stuff that you're talking about because the fact of the matter, yes, it's not easy. Uh, that let's just let's make that clear to yeah. everyone this is not something that we we want that, that we think that anyone can just you know overcome overnight it's not right. it's going to take its course it's going to be difficult uh you know we have one blessing and that is our memory does not you know remember pain yeah <laughs> trust you know, me i'm very grateful i can't really uh, uh would, envision some of the stuff i went through I mean, that's, that's the most beautiful thing about, you know, the, you know, our, you know, yes. anatomy, right. We cannot yeah. possibly remember the pain. We know you had it, you know, it felt like something, but it cannot experience it. If you had it, mm -hmm. you'll be reliving it. And that's not cool. Right. Yeah. And so we're grateful for that one. But, but again, you've covered so many things on the book. And even before we talked about the book, uh, the early detection, that was a key, right. You know, the yeah. you had to go through it. That's the other thing, no matter what you were available, you still said, no, I'm not going to give in. I'm just going to stand strong, stand tall yeah. and do this. And you went to your shows, you went to your races and yeah. you didn't. And, and again, you had, see what you did is what everybody should be doing at anything in their life, whether they're sick or healthy, which is always figuring something to keep you motivated. You, your motivation was everything that you do and you did and everything around and everybody around you, your family, your kids. That's right. You know, so you kept that in, in front of you, which made you a little bit stronger or at least a little bit more resilient, uh, because if no one was there and you had nothing to hold on to, you probably would have given up easily. Right. Or, uh, yeah, go ahead. you know, I wouldn't have given up, but you're right. If I didn't have time with my kids and I didn't have my events, all I would have been was sick mm -hmm. and sad. And so I chose my passions over everything else. And now you know, what I re recommend for other people is force your passions into every day. You don't need to be sick right. to include the things you love. If you love soccer, great, go play it, go watch it, read about it. If you love music, keep it on hand wherever you are. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do to make each day brighter. Now, say you are a sick person and you love those animals, but you're in the hospital. Fine. Get online, watch funny animal videos. You know, there are things you can do to still engulf yourself in your passions. And I just think they make every day brighter. And uh, I'm not willing to waste any of my days. I, I truly value life. Every day is a special thing. And I felt that way before. But I, I really did have a lot of consideration over, you know, what my kids, what my dog would do without me when I died. You know, they told me I was going to survive and I, I mostly believed them, but there was still this, this thing in the back of my head that made me need to make sure my children knew how to cook their own food. God forbid. 
I, you know, I was, I was, I was taken and it's not just cancer could have killed me. Those drugs, those toxic drugs. A lot of people have allergic reactions. I could have died of from taxateer poisoning. So, you know, it was just a interesting phase, but yeah, life is very short. And so, you know, what do you do when you finish cancer treatment? So, you know, in the middle of treatment, I had gotten done the first five months of chemo were nasty, nasty, nasty chemo. And they really were, it was crippling, but then I had a lesser chemo still mean, but not the same. And so at that point I started really working to build my body back. And I was, I was emaciated. I was skinny. I was, you know, a very low level of fitness, but I did what I could. I got in the pool and I wiggled around and then I'd get in the pool and wiggle around some more. And then I would walk to the mailbox. I would do these little things to get better. And I built slowly, slowly, slowly. And, uh, it was interesting. COVID came at month 12 of my chemotherapy, right? So I'd been doing it for a year and then the world shut down. And in my mind, I thought, are you freaking kidding me? I have been, I have been embedding myself in mass amounts of people working like a slave during cancer care. And y'all are hiding under the bed because of a virus. I just, I, I was a little bit bitter that they had shut down the world when I was finally starting to feel even better. And I was raring to go. Um, but thankfully that I do live in Florida, uh, we had the running industry came back in May. And so as soon as I finished my treatment, I registered for a Spartan obstacle course race about a month later. Now, mind you, I was still scrawny and I was still wing, pretty wimpy, but I just wanted to go play. I thought, here I go. I'm going to get my knees dirty and I'm going to do the best that I could. And I went out there and I was the back of the pack. I went from the really fit girl before now I was showing up and I was, you know, that coming back from cancer, I was a cancer patient or former cancer patient. So I was wimpy and I was tired, but I had the biggest smile on my face. I was certainly the slowest person out there. And I failed at a lot of the tasks, but it was a great time. And I was covered with mud and that's all that mattered. And then about a month later, I registered for a mini sprint triathlon and I hyperventilated the whole way because it was so hard but there again, I was considering while I was hyperventilating on a bike while riding up a, a hill, I was thinking, well, this is really hard, but this is so much less hard than the hard I was doing a year prior with that nasty chemo. So, you know, hard is all relative. And again, I was a dead last finisher. I had the police behind me with their sirens protecting, you know, taking care of the final finisher. And I hyperventilated at least 50% of the way. And when I crossed that finish line, I couldn't have been any prouder than anybody else out there. So, you know, I know what it's like to be in a body that doesn't feel so good, that doesn't work so well, um, but it's worth it to make those little efforts. It's worth it to show up at the gym as the least fit person, because eventually you'll be one of the moderately fit persons, maybe the most fit person, who knows, but um, there is no sense of accomplishment sitting on your couch. There's none. And for me to go and be the last place really for two different events and feel the most proud was uh, a very special thing. And, you know, I finished chemo in May of 2020 and October 21, I ran the Boston marathon and uh, that was another great triumph. So now I'm just, I've got my eyes out. I'm looking for the next big adventure and the next thing to tax my physical and mental will to its nth degree. And if I can be the last finisher on anything else, then I know I've, I've pushed myself to the limits. And I think that's really cool. 
Oh, Fitz, you hit a lot of key <laughs> keywords that I'd like to actually, you know, uh, isolate or highlight specifically. Sure. So you mentioned something funny that you said the the Spartan games, and uh, you know, you have a warrior spirit, mm-hmm. and, and warriors don't give up. Warriors keep fighting until the end. It's do or die. There's nothing yeah. that's you, and you don't think about that. You think about winning. You think about just be, you know becoming be, becoming victorious at the end of whatever battle. Yeah. And and the other part is that you. You were, yes, they were probably the worst races in terms of your competitive life, but they were just as rewarding because you were more rewarding, more, more rewarding. More. And, he, and remember, we said earlier, you have to be in the race. So you got yeah. into the race, regardless of your. And by the way, that was exactly what you described to those other folks that may take seven yeah. hours to be, you know, they have their own circumstances. We don't know whether they've been through chemo or other things, but they still have that race and, and you experience it, but you've you've seen the value of it. And sharing that with people, that should just give everybody, uh, you know, any motivation that you can possibly get. You, this is powerful motivation because, yes, you've you you've set up yourself to succeed, period and out, regardless. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't easy. And that's the other thing. Nothing is easy, nothing. you know, in life. There's nothing. And, and nothing so, worth having. Nothing worth having. Exactly. And, and you said something very powerful that we all have to agree on. And I think we all agree on, which is life is short. Life is valuable and health is wealth. Health is everything. You lose your health. There's nothing you can do. You can't work. You can't do anything. Your health, if you're just basically sitting and and not doing anything, there's nothing you can do. You can't make money. You can't live happy. And then it affects your mental state. And then the rest of it is history. And that's the other thing, the will that you have. Will, you mentioned the word. That's that's powerful too. Having that will, that that real mindset that I'm going to do this. Building that positivity in your mind helps. If you were to say like, that's it, I'm done. The mind will play tricks. And unfortunately, that's what happens with people. Sometimes they give into their mind tricks and then the rest of it is history. You know, you what say, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I mean, I, um, I can identify with pain and suffering. Obviously, I've been there, done that. I cannot identify with the victim mentality. I just can't wrap my head around it. I can't wrap my head around reaching out publicly to tell people, hey, I need you to pity me right now, or um, looking at really anything that I wanted. There's some things that I agree I physically cannot do. I'm, maybe I can't do 100 pull-ups. Okay, I cannot do that right now. But the things that I want to do, I'll find a way. You know, there is no, there, there's nothing between me and the thing that I want. And so for those who are sitting at home and really all they want is to maybe lose some weight, right? That's, that's probably one of the most common goals for American grownups. Uh, okay, well, really what's stopping you? Because it's not genetics. It is not genetics. If you are overweight, you look in the mirror and you say, hey, this body's too big. You did that. Nobody did that to you. There's nobody that came and jacked up your jaw and shoved a bunch of food inside and tilted your head back and poured a bunch of soda in there and alcohol. Nobody made you overweight. So, you know, you losing weight is no different than when I lost weight or anybody else losing weight. You just have to make the choice. And so, you know, weight loss is one thing. Um, Athletic accomplishments is another. Uh, Education is another. You just, if you choose it, figure it out, right? You have to you have to just set yourself up for success. And if you're one of those, I can't people, well, maybe I can't help you. <laughs> I don't identify with that. I just can't, I can't well, identify with that. Fids, I, I, I do tend to agree with you because, because well, I, I, I might understand some of it, but, but we, and we can, we can talk briefly about right. it. So th- there's a couple of things. 
you're right. The reason you cannot identify because you know that is there's every possibility to do anything you want. And I can speak to it personally. I always say this. You, know, you cannot possibly tell me that you can't do the things you want, and especially in this world that we live in. And much better ideas. We're in the U.S. And I oh, have to say, listen, right. me, I come from a different country. And mm-hmm. I can tell you as an immigrant, it's a beautiful place for anybody that wants to succeed. You can't possibly tell me you can't. And even in any part of the world, you can still do it if you really want to do it. You can't pass. Maybe there's difficulties. There will be harder, you know, hey, times. Than me. Who cares? But, Life is hard. Figure it that, out. Yeah, that's right. But but again, what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, some people, you're right. They just it's the easy way out. You said the word mm-hmm. earlier about nobody did it for them. They just want to reach out for help. That's because it's easier that way. Because it doesn't take a lot of work to do everything else. I mean, that's the part that sometimes people may have a struggle with. It's really like commitment, like really getting started. And and for me, and that's the other thing, when you have people that sometimes will support that idea. That's the yeah. other part, your your entourage, your support system. If everybody's like, oh my God, you're a poor baby, you know, we uh-huh. you feel better and stuff, and they cuddle you a little bit. Well, guess what? They, you know, there's no tough love. Sometimes that works. And sometimes you're right. If you are self um, what do you call it? Like your self-made kind of concept, yeah. right? You, nothing stops. There is a will, there's a way. You got to find a way, period. I mean, I always yeah. give the example of rivers. They don't stop. A, a mountain comes along, they just go around it. That's That's it. Right. They, 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 they hit the boulders and they destroy them eventually. Yeah. There's no more. They're little yeah. pebbles. But that's the thing. It's how we set our mind to it. Anyone can do that. And I, sometimes just listening to success stories, listening to right. struggles and people can make a difference. Everybody, I don't think of anyone that really just is born with the idea that I'm going to be a failure. I'm not going to do anything. It's like you said, we adjust to certain events in our life and then we kind of play the victim role. And like, you know, it's everybody else's fault. That's the accountability. Yeah, we, we push everybody as they're responsible. Everybody else is an excuse. I was there was a. I was watching a movie with Denzel Washington a couple of days ago, I think The Equalizer or something. OK, and, and, and he mentioned something just about that. It's not. You, you, don't tell me your story. That doesn't mean anything. You can do it. You get up and you do it. Period. Enough. Right. <laughs> you don't blame about your parents. You don't blame about your society. You don't blame about your mm-hmm. your race. Whatever. We your can have gender. Your, oh, exactly. I All cannot of, stand the women that are like, oh, it's because of a woman. No, it's because you accept less and you're not doing enough. That's the problem. That who cares what's between your legs, lady. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that to you. But, yes, but, but, I'm speaking but, for all women. <laughs> Grow a pair. But, but 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 you know what? I have to say this and I've said it, I think, at a different show before. I had more bosses that were women than men. Yeah. Uh, and I have all the respect for all the women that are, you know, bosses. My wife is actually an entrepreneur. She's she runs her own business. And I'm all supportive. My mom was actually my 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 dad was you know great. But my mom was actually the, the stronger of, of the right. couple and she was my leader. And so, so I believe in that. And you're right. It's not. Yes. I mean, there are some tricks in society, but again, if you accept them, then you don't challenge them. That's the key is the key is that you have to challenge the status quo. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I've had some people dismiss me or be difficult and, you know, the blonde thing, nobody like the, Oh, she's blonde, but here the only people that have really, um, dismiss me or I, I hate to use the word stab me in the back, but people have been kind of snide be- about me. Other women, other women, men are very respectful. And when it comes to the wage war, I, I don't accept less. I am 
I am certainly one of the most highest paid announcers, if not the highest paid. And that's because I'm worth it. And I never show up and say, oh, you need a female voice. Oh, you need a female announcer. F that. If you need the best announcer, I'm your choice. If you want someone with uh, some ovaries, there's a lot of choices. But if you want the best announcer, if you want the person who's going to make your event extraordinary, if you want a speaker who's going to knock the socks off of your corporation and compel them to greatness, I'm your person. Forget that I'm your girl. I'm your person. And so, you know, a lot of women, they need to... they just need to get over it. You know, we're in America and the people who appreciate the freedoms and the great gifts of this country most are the immigrants, people who came from places where it's legitimately hard, where freedom did not exist and mm-hmm. choices were made for them. And so, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not very empathetic for people pointing their fingers at other people for their failures. If, if you have failed, that's on you. And once you own your failures, that means When you succeed, you can fully own your success. You may have people to thank for contributing and encouraging and educating and inspiring, but unless you own your failures completely, you cannot own your successes and and that would be tragic. So um, step it up, ladies and everybody else. Well, well, Fitz, thank you. And and by the way, you know, they, I don't believe in failure as as a key. Failure is the only time you fail is if you're not trying. If there's I mean, a lot of people failing, a lot of people have given up. Exactly because you give up. But if you don't yeah. give up and you're always doing, you still weren't. You still right. winning. You're learning. You're, you're learning. on the way. Exactly. Yeah. It's either you're in it or you're winning it or you're learning it. Period. Yep. But if you stop, that's then when you, you can be literally labeled as I'm just. I can. But that's even that you question why. I wasn't able to do this. Well, find another way, find a resource. There's nothing. And you're right. I mean, we talk about wages and, and equality. To be honest with you, I believe equality is, is just a standard thing. There's no yeah. difference. As a matter of fact, me too. I, I work actually in an industry where there is no difference in, in the, the wage levels between male and female, because it's all the same. It's all about performance. And so, so I have not experienced it, but I know in certain industries that's been, you know, very, you know, present and, and, and it's, but there is a movement around that and it's been going, but you're right. Just because people have not taken it to the next level and now it's happening more and, and there's more strength to it and more, I guess, support to it. And that's key. But then the support is on both sides. And, but like I said, you're right. But the idea is people sometimes, if I am actually playing the victim and I feel like, you know, the world owes me and yeah, you know, it, it kind of makes me feel good, but they're not actually, that's like, for me, that's like, but would it make you feel good? Would it make anyone feel good no. to, to, you know, woe is me. This is hard and nobody's letting me and nobody's figure it out. This your success is your responsibility. That is right. Well, here, that's what I say. Like for me, like, for example, with kids, like, you know, I, I have a tough love with my kids yeah. because, because to be honest with you, I don't want them to be, you know, hand, putting their hands out for, for somebody to assist. You assist yourself. Now you set yourself. I mean, there is, nobody does it on their own. You find people, somebody has to see a value. Somebody has to give you an opportunity, all that good stuff. Right. But you have to prove yourself to the world in a way. That's but right. the first person you prove is yourself. When I say prove yourself, you don't owe it to no one. But you prove that you have the the ability to do the success, to do things. In your case, you're confident. Bottom line, you are the best. You know you're the best at what you do. And that's it. I see. That's the thing. Believing in yourself. Believing in having the the ultimate confidence that, you know what? If you and I, I I do this. If I go on an interview, the job is mine. Period. Hmm. That's it. I'm going. That's that's my job. If I go in there and I want it, I'm going to take it. 
I don't care who's actually interviewing with me against me. I'm going to go for it. It's a fight. <laughs> well, and, and there you go. There's confidence and there is no, but the, there's also being able to put up the goods. You know, I went and I got the education and I put and, in yes. millions of hours of practice, helping people make their human body better and coaching and understanding how people respond to this or that. And, you know, I didn't walk on my first stage and have it be, you know, as the spokesperson for Office Depot, which I was. No, my first stage was in Gainesville, Florida, and it was for a teeny tiny little women's group or a weight loss group or, you know, or Girl Scouts. Golly, I was I was doing presentations to the Girl Scouts when I was 14. And so, you know, I built, built, built and, and one step led to the next. And there was a lot of strategy and there was a lot of work for free. And, you know, mm -hmm. I showed up early. I've never once shown up late for work and I've prepared in advance. And I'm always a delight to work with because nobody wants to work with a jerk, you know? So there's all of these, you know, skills and efforts and time that go into being a success in any job, whether you bake cakes or design underwear or announce races, you have to put forth innovation and effort and discipline and timeliness and uh, be able to work with a team and be able to lead and be able to follow. And, you know, uh, being a great success takes time. And yes, I'm very confident with what I do, but because I've earned that and I've proven myself over and over and over again. And, you know, on occasion, there's a race who says, Hey, we'd like to have you, what are your rates? And I'll tell them and they'll say, well, that's, that's double or triple what we've been paying. I'm like, okay, well, I'm at least double or triple as good as the last person. Plus, because I'm announcing your race, all of these people will show up and register. So my fan base alone pays my fee. You know, they'll, they take care of my fee. I'm, I'm a profit center, not a cost. And that's because it's true. That's because I've announced hundreds of races and I've become a profit center. And so I can look a race director in the eye and say, yes, I'm charging you way more than the last guy, but I'm worth way more than the last guy. And, and you'll never um, look at your race the same again after I've been there. And, and so far that's been true. Well, Fitz, again, you always, I, I love it because you're hitting so many, you know, powerful, powerful concepts. And you said it, I mean, yes, you had to put the time, you had to volunteer, do things with, you know, pro bono, all the stuff in the beginning, no one knows you. You got to build your name, your brand, your reputation, but also you have to get gain the skills and the learning, you know, and all the stuff. So become the authority. You said the word authority earlier. That's it. If you're not, and you're right, once you get to that level, yeah, you have to pitch the right pitch. If you go cheap, you know, you, you're not bringing something, gems and, and, and diamonds are not cheap. <laughs> right. You know, they're going to pressure eventually, but it's costly. You can't just, you know, it's not for everyone, right? You know, that's the thing. If you think that I have the value to bring it to you, then you have to be willing to pay. Good talent is not cheap. Even in, let's say, in the acting world, right? You yeah. know, the top talent, I mean, they pay millions. And in, in the yeah. sports, in the sports world, I mean, you know, some of the top athletes, I mean, they're in the millions, you know, annually, right? So, so you get paid for what you have to bring and to offer. And okay. that's the other thing. And, but a, a lot of people can have that, but you have to build. You know, most of, we see stars today, we love them, right? You know, in the movies and, you know, in the sports. But guess what? They all had, I, I've watched some, some, of the, some of the beginnings of some of the top stars, right? They had commercials, little things here, a little extra job here and the other. Yes. Some of them had side jobs, but 
it took time to build and then eventually they were discovered. Eventually they had their, their, their moments and then they took it from there. And that's the other thing, you get that open door. Now it's all you, you know, you just show what you got. That's, that's what I always say. Like someone always has to open the door for you, but, but you have to show that, you know, or you can, you know, almost force them by showing them that they need you. That's the other thing. If you always make yourself, that is that yet you are somebody that is talented and you, you're an expert in what you do. People are going to want you. What yeah. you've, if you're, you don't know much, what are you going to do? What do you have to offer? That's right. And then at some point, uh, you got to stop taking no for an answer. And so I used to get no, I used to hear no, it's been a long time since someone's told me no, but I used to hear it and it would, it would make me sad. And I'd try again, try again. And, uh, I, I don't get many no's anymore. You know, I've come so far that I don't get many no's. However, somewhere in between no's and all of my yeses today was this kind of spot where I just thought, ah, screw that. I'm getting it. <laughs> I'm getting what I want. I, and maybe I have to go around you, under you, over you. I might have to go through you, but I'm not accepting no for an answer. And there's that Marvel superhero juggernaut and he's got the, the helmet and he crashes through brick walls. And that is my little, um, uh, what do we call that alter ego? I think juggernaut. If somebody tells me no, I'm like, all right, God help you. If you tell me no, I'm coming, I'm coming for what I want. Now, fortunately for society, the things that I want are good for everybody because they lead to health and fitness and happiness. But yeah, sometimes you just got to stop taking no. And then, you know, maybe even reevaluate why you're getting those. And so on, for example, some people will, or a lot of people tell me, well, I want to be a speaker too. I want to be a speaker. Okay. But every other word out of their mouth is like, and you know, it's like this, like, 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 and they sound like they're on the bachelor. They sound like an absolute moron with the way they speak. And nobody's going to put you on a stage to embarrass their organization when you get up and every other word is like, so if you want to be a professional speaker, at some point, you're going to have to settle down and learn how to speak properly. And that may be a drill. You work at home with your family. Everyone's going to work on not using like as a filler word. And then maybe you invest in $20 a year to be part of a Toastmasters club where an actual professional sits down and teaches you how to speak eloquently and de deliver a message that's coherent and interesting. So there's, there's times for not taking no, and then there's times for reevaluating and then, and then going back after it. Listen, this is some powerful advice here. And I think, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, just, just, it might sound very um, proud or something, but it's not, you have to understand folks when, when, when you are who you are and you know what you have to offer and you know that there is a success here, you know, sometimes you have to speak at that stage and you have to be able to to really relate that message that, yes, I am it, you know, in this business, I got this. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, being walking high, tall, your head up. That's that's important. That's exactly what makes, you know, leadership. That's exactly what makes the, the top people top. I mean, it's right. we, we refer people top. What makes top is really the expertise and the delivery. If you got the goods and you can demonstrate you have the goods, you have outcomes. the goods. Yeah. Outcomes. That's it. Results. Outcomes. And, and you're right. No, no is a, a common thing. People say no all the time. And, and, and the reason we say no, because we don't understand much. And, and really, and that's in sales, that's we, we say salesmanship begins when the customer says no. But no is like almost the default. No, 
you you're you, we are conditioned to say no before we say yes <laughs> right yeah. so so the question is we have to find and you're right the reason there's a no because i haven't demonstrated why me why the yes and that's those are those are things that you learn but again it takes time it takes knowledge skills repetition uh real uh practice you know if you if you want to just do this and wing it one day it's not i mean it's not gonna happen <laughs> no. there's nothing again nothing happens overnight you know, and we hear things over like in the social media, like success and I became millionaire overnight. No one. I don't no. know of any millionaire that happened, you know, overnight, unless you inherited it. But that's another story. You, you know what happens overnight is you get a job overnight, but you build a career over time. You become a professional over time. And there you do not step on the largest stage as your first effort. You start on the really teeny tiny stage back there. And, you know, I sound quite often very uh, pointed and I'm okay with that. You know, I, I have a large following and the greatest feedback I ever get is thank you for the brutal honesty. Tough I, love. You're, you're hard on me because I know you love me. And that's, that's right. the thing is I, I'm, I don't want people to fail. I want them to be happy. I want them to have everything on an occasion. They need to be poked in the chest really hard and be told, Hey, dingling, you need to do better. And this is how, you know, start stepping it up. If you want to accomplish X, Y, Z, you're going to have to do a little better. You're going to have to practice more and, and, and work for free or, or, you know, I don't know. And now I'm using the word, you know, there's, there's a lot of That's effort right. to be made between here and that grandiose place you want to be. So, so make the damn effort, make the damn effort. Cause once you get to do what you love for a living, and I hope everybody is aiming for that. Don't just settle for a job that pays the bills. Find what you're passionate about and where that intersects with your skill set, what you're good at. Put those things together and move in the direction so you can earn a living. If you love cats and you love surfing, great. You're going to be the first guy with a cat surfing camp. <laughs> okay, do that. You can make a living. This is America. You can go work for a corporation or you can build your own business like the hurricane and I have. You can figure it out. You'll get that first sale and then you turn it into the second sale and on and on and on. But, uh, you know, you should love what you do. And if you do, you'll be the best at it. I have full faith. And that's that is a big, powerful, again, item here, because the key element is if you just work, to, you know, and routine, you know, paycheck to paycheck, whatever the case may be. And you don't, you're just, you're miserable. You have to love what you do. I, everything I do, I enjoy <laughs> personally, whether it's my sales job, you know, in, in the insurance world, I enjoy that, that interaction, okay. the leadership part. I do that with pleasure. Uh, this, I do it with pleasure. You know, whatever my fitness, I do with pleasure. I enjoy it. I do it. And I invest the time. I learn from it. I do things. And a and couple of things you mentioned. When you're the authority, you're at that level, you're a general. And, and I refer to the military concept. And yeah. generals don't don't speak very kindly sometimes because, you know, you got to have that tough discussion with your troops because if you're just like, oh, you know, uh, what kind of soldiers are going to go fight when they like you know, tap on the shoulder at the first, you know, pebble that they're going to, you know, twist their ankle on, right? It's not going to work that way. You got to be tough, right? And sometimes that's the key. But but that doesn't mean that it's condescending. That doesn't mean that it's actually right. undermining people. That's actually really getting you to be just wrong. If I make it easy for you, which is entitlement, people tend to like, oh, the world owes me money. What am I supposed, why would I have to do that? I've been, everybody cheered me up when I do wrong. Hey, hey, you did good. 
No, you didn't do good. <laughs> right. When you're wrong, you're wrong. You're not doing good. I'm not going to sugarcoat as like, oh, no, you did. Yeah, I can encourage you. You could have done it better. Maybe the way I say it is different. But the fact is, I'm not going to, you know, uh, congratulate you when you lose. <laughs> I'm going to say you didn't lose. You know, you could have done better. This is what you have done. But next time we're going to work on it. You have to change the strategy, how you present it. But but if I just say like, oh, good job. No, you didn't do a good job. No, <laughs> that was um, not a good job. Yeah, that was not the job that you could have done better than that. Whatever. I mean, we can express it differently. But the idea is sometimes like even with my kids and, you know, you you have to be strong. And like, dad, no, because, you know, when I'm not around and you go out there, the real world is not going to be as kind sometimes. Yeah. And unless you're prepared for that, you know, and or if you expect everybody to do things for you because you're used to things being done for you right now, it's not going to happen out there. And therefore, now you have to learn. And it's going to be harder to learn it later on. Learn it now. Be stronger now. And then nobody will ever. There's nothing that's going to stop you. Be invincible. And that's the difference in, in the mindset. But some people want to relate to the idea that like, when people, and that's the other thing, people like the idea when someone said to them, oh, no, it's okay. It's a, yeah, I mean, listen, we all like the counseling. We all like that nice little tap on the shoulder every now and then. We're all emotional humans, right? But here's the deal. That should come from a parent, a, a, a romantic partner, your best friend. Mm -hmm. But if you're the boss, if you're the leader, if you're a coach and you're responsible for dragging the best out of all of these people, you know, you don't have to go full-blown general patent on them, <laughs> but... <laughs> And give them something to live up to. That's really one of the best things is you provide guidance. You know, they should know, they should have all of the skills. They should mm -hmm. have all of the tools and then they should have the motivation. If you uh, do this skill and use the tool and you create this widget, we are going to reward you with this dollar amount or these vacations or whatever it is. There's got to be some sort of reward system, but to tell people, hey, I need you to build a table with this wood. And then you show up and there's a chair. You don't pay the person for the chair and you don't pat them on the back and say, hey, nice chair. Even though I really wanted a table, you say, uh, <laughs> I'm going to dock you for the wood you wasted on the chair and we're going to try again. And, you know, once you start making great tables, the money will come. We'll keep selling them. Oh, you've, you've created a new clever way to make this table. And now more people want to buy them for greater dollar amount. Fine. I'm going to include you on the profit. And yeah, we just, I, I don't think the entitlement culture is very attractive at all. And we, it's, it's interesting. I hate to pick on a generation and, and millennials, boy, are they getting a hard road? I'm hoping there are some that are willing to dig in. And my kids like to pick on boomers. They, you know, that saying, okay, boomer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the first time my daughter threw that at me, she said, okay, boomer. And I looked and I said, are you associating me with the greatest generation? The one that built the American society and saved us from communism? Uh, okay, call me a boomer, fine. Don't call me millennial until you guys have proven yourself a little more valuable than the things I see. If you're demanding safe spaces against words, not so hot, I'll go back and be a boomer any day. And so, yeah, I'm all about earning your keep and earning your prominence, respect. Listen, that is, that is exactly, well, you're you're touching again on 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 a whole different you know we can have two hours discussion on the new generation but you're right you know like i again i i always give the example of my kids because i mean i can relate to them closer but but because everything like no one can people today they get away with everything 
Uh, no one reprimands anyone. It, no, you know, I mean, burn down a building, beat we, up an old lady. No we, jail. You know, they do all kind of crazy stuff, and it, it's okay. We can't do this. We can't do it. We we changed so much. We become so easy, so lenient on things, this, and therefore, yes. This is not why your family came to America to watch oh, no. small businesses be burned down with no consequence. That is not why your family came to America. Listen, I, I, again, I have my own different views of, of this thing. Like to your point, I right. came for the American dream and I still believe in the American dream and yeah. it still exists, yeah. but you're right. The next generation will be suffering in a lot of ways, whether it's through, like I have a joke, like even food. I mean, the new generation doesn't eat anything other than burgers and nuggets and pizza <laughs> and the basic. So, so I guess all the fancy restaurants eventually is going to die. And that, that, that would be a bad, you know, business to be in yeah. because <laughs> there is nobody that's going to taste that food or have that. It's, it's amazing. It's just the culture has shifted along because yeah. we become so easy on everything. You know, there is no, like it, you used to go to school, you used to worry about, you know, the repercussions of school and you're going to be, you know, uh, suspended or rejected from school, whatever, like expelled. Now you don't care about that. You know, they, they make it difficult, but they don't do it. <laughs> they're yeah. Now they're refusing to suspend kids. They don't want anyone to feel um, mm. punished. They're refusing to fail kids who won't even turn in work. They turn in zero work and the, and the teachers are not allowed to give them an F. Who's that helping? Listen, I, I had this discussion with one of the principals early on one time. And I said, listen, if my son does not want to get so solid, you have my permission. He can stay in his grade. She looked at me like, what? Like, yeah. oh, the, I mean, yes. You know why? Well, we don't do that. It's like, well, guess what? Where I come from, if you didn't pass your stage and you're great, you stay in that grade until yes. the next generation <laughs> catches up to you and you'll be the oldest kid in that classroom. That's that's a different world. And that's what teaches you different, you know, uh, levels of, of achievement, because now, you know, you can't go to the next stage if you are weak, if you have no foundation. You talked about foundation, building the margin skills. How can you possibly be somewhere you know, and that's the other thing. They're going to pass you on to college and college is not going to be a picnic for you. No. And you're paying for that. <laughs> you're yep. paying money for college. Guess what? That's right. You know what? You can fill as many credits. Just keep paying. I'm good. Yep. We'll, we'll keep you going. You can go to another college. Just keep, you know, uh, uh, replenishing the industry financials. Right. Yep. That's the problem. But that's you don't think about it. But when are you going to go? College? What are you going to do? <laughs> you're going to be like expecting them to just pass you and give you an A. That's not going to work. No. And then you're going to be working a minimum wage job. And then some politician is going to tell you how much you deserve to be paid triple the amount, even though you have a very low skill level because you didn't pursue academia. Right. So or effort. You know what? I really love Mike Rowe, who now I have a master's degree. Lottie da It's worked for me in the science field. But not everybody needs a fancy college degree. I am totally in support of people that just are going to leave high school and go get a trade, go get these skills and work with your hands or work with your back. And I, I don't think everybody needs a fancy college degree. My kids are doing college right now and I'm, I'm happy about that. But if they chose to go to welding school or go into the military to learn a trade, then I'd, I'd support that as well. I think there's certainly far more ways to skin a cat than just the college route. And as long as you're willing to put in the time and effort. And I think the things that are best about me that make me a successful professional aren't necessarily the things I learned in college. Well, that again, that's a whole topic in its own. I mean, a lot of stuff that we learn may not be even when you go to the real world, half of the stuff you learn, even one, one third or one quarter of it is what you use. The rest of it, maybe some, because they don't teach you practic practical stuff. They teach you no. theory and, and Hard logic. Knocks. Yeah. When you go to the real world, like, okay, what are you going to do for me? I need this done by tomorrow. It's like, uh, 
well, that's not what I was taught. Well, guess what? I'm going to teach you how it's done. And, right. and that's, that's coming up to the, 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 you mentioned something very specific about the tools and resources. Yeah, if you're going to lead, you can't just expect people to know it. You know, you want to show them, you want to give them the right training, the motivation, the coaching and stuff. And now you can reprimand. See, I have that rule all the time. You cannot expect somebody, you know, to succeed or to, or, to, or, or when they fail, you're going to blame them if you didn't help them. Especially if you call yourself a leader. If you're a leader, no matter what, whatever you lead, you know, if you lead in sports, business, whatever, you're a CEO, you're a manager. doesn't matter if you're leading a team. That team needs to know that they have somebody that's going to guide them, not push them, mm-hmm. be with them, show them how it's done. And by the way, you should know exactly what you're going to tell them. You can't tell people to do things that you cannot do yourself. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Don't ever treat the new guy like a dummy. Right. That's right. And, and, and you know what? They're going to learn. They could be better than you. And you know what? A lot of people, they surpass their own managers right. <laughs> and they become their leaders eventually. And so, listen, people grow. They learn. That's right. But it's, it's how, how they want to go, where they want to be. And that's the other thing about determination, goal settings, ambition, all those things are factors. So I think we're on it, the same page. <laughs> we are. Fizz. Well, again, I mean, it's just a, an enthusiastic conversation. I love these things. But so so I know we've exceeded the time here, but okay. there, there, there's one thing that I wanted to just go back. So okay. you went through the, tra- the treatment. I mean, I, I'm going to go back to that, that sad yeah. part of life, but I know it was hard. You did the chemo, you did the radiation. Yeah. Was there anything in the process that, that helped you cope through it? I mean, not just the, the entourage, but like something, any treatment, any herbalistic, you know, uh, oh, holistic, okay. anything that you've done outside of regular medicine. Okay. So that's a great question. Um, I, I don't think so. I don't think there would be say a product or something that I use that made my life easier. I, I, again, I was really, really sick. My stomach was a mess, um, especially for the first five months. And that I just never, ever found a solution to. I, ne- I could never get relief on that. Um, but towards the end or yeah, uh, somewhere, somewhere along the way of my mean chemo, I was hospitalized. I had three major uh, marathon weekends in a row. And I had just, I was in Buffalo Marathon, which is a very, intensely busy weekend. And my race director, sweet guy, I mean, he got me the IV fluids for me to have every day. And, um, we did my, anyways, we did our best to keep me feeling good, but things had started to deteriorate. I was still performing at a top level, but I could feel like, uh Oh, things are going wrong. And in, in fact, in Buffalo, I just thought, Oh, this feels really bad. And, uh, I don't, I might need to go to the hospital. I mean, I wasn't going to go to the hospital, but I started to think this is unusual. And so I got home and I I went in for IV fluids and those nurses said, oh no, this is bad. And so they ended up admitting me and uh, I had transfusions and some yucky stuff. It It was pretty horrible. But soon after that, my oncologist sat me down. I went in for, I think it was the next chemo, which is rattling for sure. And he said, you've been doing so great. And I said, I have not been doing so great. He's like, no, Fitz, you've been doing so great. And I said, why are you saying this? I'm a mess. Every part of my body has been destroyed. Every iota has some damage to it. And um, I just got out of the hospital. Why are you saying I'm doing great? He said, Fitz, if you are not so healthy and committed to fitness coming into this nightmare, 
you would have been hospitalized for a month, not just one night. And so I only did spend one night in the hospital. He said, but you would have been in the hospital for a month already. You would have had a feeding tube. He said, it's only because of your commitment to health and fitness that not only have you not been hospitalized for a month with a feeding tube, but you have been traveling around the country, having more fun and adventure than almost any healthy person I know does in a decade. So when I tell you, you're doing great, I'm not suggesting you're not suffering, but you're doing great. And the only thing I can blame it on is your present level of, or your original level of health and fitness. So keep doing that. And so uh, that really resonated with me. And so I did during the mean chemo, there were, there were a couple of months where I was put out of exercise completely. So I was stretching in the shower and stretching in bed, but I wasn't able to do any cardio, any strength training. I was I, I was saving any energy I had to go do work and then come home and rest type thing. Um, but yeah, that resonated with me that, oh, you know what? He's right because I had some other friends going through it at the time and man, they've had, they had a really hard time and there were feeding tubes and because of the feeding tubes, there were infections and there was this whole slew of nonsense that came with lack of fitness. You know, that, that thing that I had already built up was pretty wonderful. And so I don't have any products that I could recommend, but again, whoever you are, start prioritizing your health today. Start with a baby step. And when I say baby steps, I do mean baby steps, get in the pool and wiggle around like I did, and then turn that wiggle into a walk and then maybe into a swim. Um, But yeah, start focusing on fitness now. And because I cared so much about my health and thankfully, because I had the knowledge on how to progress so gradually I went from super sick to Spartan race triathlon and eventually Boston marathon within about a year and a half or less because I cared so much about me. And so that's, that's the magic potion right there is exercise, sleep, watch what you put in your mouth, avoid the cigarettes and the alcohol and the sun damage, and just keep, keep taking care of yourself. There is no magic pill. And Fitz, you know what? That's an important message for everyone because your lifestyle before even the dealing with the cancer yeah. was already in place. That's right. And, and that was your lifestyle all along. So you had a healthy uh, living format. You know, your formula of life was was including fitness, yeah. health, you know, traveling, enjoying life, being vibrant. And those are things that are, everyone can do. And it, it doesn't have to cost money. You can run in the park, you can actually walk. Go about, walk, you can do things, you know, with minimum cost, but still live a happy, exciting, fit life, eat n- nice, eat healthy, pick right. your stuff correctly. You mentioned alcohol and smoking, bad for you. And the, the more you have in your body, and even like we've talked about recently, we haven't talked on this, this show, but obviously the pandemic, you mentioned the COVID. Yeah. You know, it's been very clear that the people who had, a much better, healthier lifestyle tend to, you know, defeat the actual COVID, you know, yeah. better than those that may not have. So it's 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 important to realize those things and, and be really aware of them. Well, you're right. That's such an exhibit A of why fitness matters. So, um, you know, in general, if you are fit right now, you will be able to rehab and recuperate from any illness or illness, illness or injury faster than you would if you were sick and weak going into it. But, it, you know, there's there's some people that are you know, genetic 
MS or genetic brain cancer. That's sad, right? That's a sad comorbidity. I had a sad comorbidity. There is no evidence to say I did anything to earn breast cancer, yet I still had the Selgo rogue. So there are some very sad people or situations where people have a comorbidity. And then of course there's elderly. But then there's people in our age group that have just taken crap care of themselves and they've eaten whatever and they've drank a lot and they've smoked a bunch. And now they're in this high risk category and they don't have any genetic nonsense going on and they weren't hit by a bus. They've just treated their body like trash. And now they're high risk and they're freaking out because they're high risk. Yeah, buddy, you've been high risk for the past 10 years that you've been obese. The second you put that cigarette in your mouth, you became high risk. So let's not freak out about COVID for your whole you know, adult life. You've been treating your body like trash and now you're really worried about your health. No, you're not. You're scared of death. There's a big difference. And so, you know, I, I, I don't think it's political at all. And I'm very passionate about health and fitness. Not once has Dr. Fauci ever looked at the American public and said, everybody needs to get out and exercise. Everybody needs to get out and exercise most days of the week. You need to pursue cardiovascular exercise, strength training, flexibility, and balance training. Those are the things that keep you healthy. Everybody in America needs to go to their produce section and find five different items of five different colors and have a couple of bites every day. Every American needs to focus on seven to nine hours of sleep. Every American needs to cut down on alcohol and cigarettes. This guy doesn't care about your health. If you are looking at that man and his cohorts for health, you have lost your mind. That man focused on nothing other than sickness. He doesn't care about the economy. He doesn't care about your health. He doesn't care about academia. He doesn't care about your education. And I don't actually think he's a bad guy. I just think he's a, a sole focused guy who should not be responsible for anything. If you care about your health, you come to a person like me. And I tell you how to build a bulletproof immune system. And it's not about getting shots and it's not about hiding in your house, ordering takeout, avoiding the gym. When they shut down the beaches and they shut down the playgrounds and they shut down the gyms, they had lost their mind. They were completely not concerned about our health. So you have to be responsible for you. Clearly our government is getting it wrong at almost any every turn. If you wanna focus on health, it, is not about the other stuff. It's about you moving your body, getting it sweaty, challenging it in a variety of ways, consuming nutritious food that make you uh, resilient to disease and viruses and bacteria, drinking lots of water. I could go on, but uh, yeah, the COVID thing, nothing to do with health. That's a sickness. That's, that's another category. Health, I've got you covered. <laughs> and the end of rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, listen, oh, up there. listen, I, I, I'm pretty sure you hit on, on, on something that a lot of people watching and listening right now, like, damn, I was waiting for something like that. I want that message to be because you're right. I mean, unfortunately, we've everything that makes you healthier was stopped. Right, you know, gyms. I mean, the gyms were the the last things to reopen. Uh, you know, the outdoors. Are, yeah, I, I know. And listen, I, I'm in Jersey. It was worse. I mean, New York, forget about it. You, you, you're in, you're in Florida. You, you must be very happy to be yeah. there. And that's why a lot of people are moving down there. Right now. Yeah. They want, Florida. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing because it was tough. It was really tough. And, and I can give you a good example. For example, for us, we, we managed to do virtual trainings and, and a lot of people were interacting with us. We have, that's what we, the whole channel of fitness started from, from that, that, that concept, because we had the health piece and we said, okay, let's just do the fitness and throw it in there. 
and it works and people are active and it, you can't stop. By the way, even if you're home, you can be active. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you can be yeah. in a small room, move a little couch out there and start doing some push-ups, jump in, jump that, whatever. You just you can do it in small spaces. Y- you, know what, you know what killed me is um, so I was using the pool to rehabilitate. And I, of course, have all of this knowledge and the ability to adjust and modify, but my pool workouts were often with very elderly people who didn't have the option of walking. These are people that could not really walk more than four feet. And then the government was like, no, you can't go to the gym and you can't use that pool. What? The pool filled with chlorine that kills everything. They can't get in there. These people with severe arthritis or just age, you know, there's a lot of my pool buddies are in their eighties and they use their little walker. They get to the edge of the pool. And when they get into the pool, they're free. They're free. They can, they can move their body in all sorts of directions that they can't do against gravity. They can stretch, they can work their heart, their lungs. They shut down our neighborhood pools. They shut down community pools. They shut down the beach. Who the heck shuts down the ocean and the state parks? They shut down state parks. Who votes for a person who shut down a state park because they care about your health? I mean, there's insanity. And then there's like, I could use some ugly words. I'm going to keep it to a, li- a minimum, but, <laughs> but yeah, those gyms actually matter. If you care about health, you don't only not shut down the gym, you mandate fitness. What about governor uh, Cuomo? I mean, for real, he's like, no, everybody who's sick and old stay in a building and cough on each other. Instead of saying, everybody get outside, go to the beach and the pool and move your body around, join races instead of shut down races. It just really is mind boggling. Mind-boggling. Fidge, we've had we've had a rough two years, I have to say, and politics didn't help. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, I mean, luckily we're we're almost ahead. But you know what? We're not so far away from it. This Omicron business is back and it's creeping up. And we're going to have to live should, with this. Uh, it's going to exactly. be here forever. It is. It is. And and but but we've learned a lot of things over the years. So uh-huh. we've adjusted. And we almost now adapted to this new. Uh, new being, new lifestyle, and, and we can do it. I think we're resilient again. Humans are resilient and we can make it and we're going to make it, period. And, out. and we're going to support that by sending positive energy, keeping people yes. pumped up to do this. And that's they have so that's much we, power. It, that's it, you know, messaging. And people can do this. And by the way, it's funny you mentioned something about pools. Swimming is one of the most complete, you know, Absolutely. sports you can have. I mean, the whole body is working, cardio is yes. pumping. So if you can get into the, the, the pool and do some laps, you're good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, it's, um, you know, people have a lot of power and uh, they should control what they can. And most importantly, the thing that they control, they can control is themselves. They can control the way they move, the way they consume, the way they rest. People have the power to uh, control themselves, start there, start there and then start moving out. But I do get so passionate and I do get riled up, but that's just because I, I you care so in- deeply. That's right. Well, I, it's funny. You said something about the gyms closing, but the liquor stores were open. <laughs> liquor stores were open. Yes, obviously. So, oh, oh, and this is the best. This is the best. I went to Vegas um, in February, I was on my way to an a ra- announce a race. So I spent the night in Vegas and they were making everybody <laughs> had to wear their mask unless you were smoking a cigarette. Well, I mean, I, I'll beat that on, on an airplane. You, you're supposed to have a mask, but when you eat in, you well, at least you need food, but cigarettes. Well, no, no. But yeah. Well, I mean, that's, they care yeah. about health. 
like, but, you know, fine. You take it off to eat your apple. But if you're smoking a cigarette, you don't have to wear a mask. That yeah, tells listen, you everything you need to know about these rules. Well, we could talk about those masks too, but I mean, I don't want to get into that discussion. <laughs> but again, it's, it is, there's, there's a lot of things that when you kind of just, just contemplate, you know, that there's, Mm, there's a story that doesn't add yeah. up and uh, yeah. we can politicize left and right. We can debate it for yeah. hours. That's right. I've seen the debate everywhere for the last two years and it just doesn't end. And it's still not going to go anywhere as long as this is keep, you know, uh, keeping up. Well, you know what? Um, the good news is to me, health is not political. You know, I want Republicans, Democrats, independents. I want the commies and the socialists all to take care of themselves. And so this is the same information that we get to everybody because we care about everybody. And it's just science. It's really simple science. And, you know, I often say I have the most, I have a master's degree in the most simple, stupid science in the world. It's like, watch what you put in your mouth and exercise and sleep and stuff. But yeah, fitness is a political. I genuinely want everybody across all political spectrums to um, be healthy and be fit. And if they do that, we, we really do solve a lot of the other problems in the world. Well, we've, we, I had a show, we talked about the weight loss and everything and how 40, 50 years ago, people did not have obesity. There was nothing, there was, people were working. They were engaged. There were no, nobody sitting behind the screen yeah. all the time and spending their time in the computer. They were outdoors doing things. Yeah. I mean, again, life's changed, but, but here's the good news. This show is worldwide and it's international. <laughs> and you know, what's funny right. while we actually still have issues in this thing, in our country here, trust me, other countries have it worse. I mean, yes. they, they had massive shutdowns. They had very little power and democracy yeah. and debates. You basically had curfews and you can't do it. And you had military and police, you know, police in the streets and you can't even leave without a permit. Mm -hmm. So I have to say we are still, the, probably one of the nations that had the least impact compared to others. Yeah. And, you know, for that, we're, we're still proud and, and I'm still happy regardless of how limitations, how many limitations we've had, we yeah. still had it less than others and, and still going. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Yeah, listen. Well, give me listen. liberty or give me death. It's all about freedom here. I want it all. Well, and, and with freedom, sometimes you have to have <laughs> controls too, <laughs> because we have two, two extreme freedoms and that, that sometimes, you know, clashes, but, but the, at the bottom line, we still have the ability to do this and do a lot of things and, and hopefully make a difference. Yeah. Well, as it fits, I mean, this this conversation has been super uh, fun and and very, very inspirational, motivational. I mean, we I can put the whole <laughs> dictionary here together with all the words. There you go. So so that's the book. My nosy, my nosy, noisy cancer comeback. That's what that's it is. Right. <laughs> so, 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 how do we get the book? Um, I, I'm going to put the, the links on the job this uh, on, job, on the show description. <laughs> sure. So, um, my noisy cancer comeback is available wherever books are sold worldwide. So, if you have Amazon or uh, Google or there's there's a ton, Barnes and Noble, you can get the book. However, if you want an autographed copy, go to fitness.com. That's f i t z n e s s dot com. And uh, I autograph all of those books and I send them out with a special gift, the I Can Do Hard Things sticker. So you, you've got your choices, but it's hardback, paperback, ebook, and audiobook. So you have a lot of choices. Well, thank you. And I know the book is powerful. I know people will just enjoy everything I in it. So. And, and they will, if they apply some of the stuff that you have there, that's going to make a difference in their life. And we I want so. people to actually. Uh, just live a happier and better lives and, and right. a longer life. And uh, that's it. That's the bottom line. 
So thank you, thank you for being with us and for for you know just a terrific <laughs> episode and show here. It's 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 just fun. I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, any last advice, words of wisdom that we'd like to share before we close the show? Um, yeah, I love you guys. I want more for you. I hope you want more for yourself. And uh, I would love you can follow me at Fitness on social media. But if you follow, reach out and say hi. Tell me you heard me on Hurricane Show. So. Uh, we can be friends because followers are nice, but I'd much rather have friends. Well, listen, thank you for that. And that we are friends and we want people to be your friends and uh, reach out to you, learn from you. And, and, and really, that's the bottom line. So uh, uh, thank you, folks. Thank you for watching, for listening in. And we'll be talking soon and the new year with new shows, new topics and new programming. Ciao for now. Bye bye.